everyone, and welcome back to the 23rd episode of the Let's Talk Law podcast with me, your host, Wendy M. This week, we'll be talking about arguably one of the most well-known cases, however, not for the best reasons. We do have some background information to get through first, but it's more historical context than it is amendment information. I'm sure you might be able to guess what it is before I even tell you. After the Compromise of 1877, federal troops were withdrawn from the South and ended the period of Reconstruction. Reconstruction was the era after the American Civil War and was a period where, in the South, African Americans gained a lot more rights. Federal troops were kept in the South to ensure that the Southern states would not try to abridge these new rights of African Americans. It's important to mention that even with the troops in the South, African Americans were still largely discriminated against. African Americans who were hopeful for more equality from the Reconstruction Amendments saw a return to disenfranchisement and other disadvantages as white supremacy once again began to reassert itself in the South. The Reconstruction Amendments were the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. The 13th Amendment legally ended slavery. The 14th Amendment declared that all persons born or naturalized in the United States were entitled to equal rights. And finally, the 15th Amendment said that citizens cannot be denied the right to vote based on their race or color. That's pretty much all of the background information and historical context that we need for this case, so we can jump right into it. This week, we'll be talking about the Supreme Court case, Plessy v. Ferguson. The case began on June 7, 1982, when Homer Plessy, a resident of New Orleans, Louisiana, purposefully violated Louisiana's Separate Car Act. Louisiana's Separate Car Act was implemented in 1890 and required, quote-unquote, separate but equal train cars for blacks and whites. If you know about this case, then you'll know that the separate but equal part is pretty important. If not, then you'll learn about it really soon. The idea with the carts was that the 14th Amendment rights of African Americans was not being violated because, as long as the facilities being provided to each race were quote-unquote equal, then local and state governments could allow accommodations, services, and facilities to be segregated by race. However, most of the time, these separate but equal facilities were still unequal and favored the whites. When the Separate Car Act was passed in 1890, a group of prominent black, creole of color, and white creole New Orleans residents created the Committee of Citizens, which was dedicated to repealing the law or its effects. The group persuaded Plessy to participate in an orchestrated test case, which brings us to where we are now. Homer Plessy intentionally sat in the whites-only train car. He was a free person of color and was born to a family that came to America from Haiti and France. Plessy appeared white, and he could have ridden in the only white rail car. However, due to the racial policies of the time, he was considered an quote-unquote octoroon, 
since he had one-eighth African-American heritage, so he was considered black. The Committee of Citizens hired a private detective with arrest powers to ensure that Plessy would be arrested and charged with violating the Separate Car Act and not some other offense. Like the committee planned, Plessy was arrested by the detective and was charged with violating Louisiana's Car Act. In Homer's first trial, also called Homer Adolph Plessy v. the State of Louisiana, Plessy's lawyer argued that the Separate Car Act violated Plessy's 13th and 14th Amendment rights under the United States Constitution. However, the judge presiding over the case, John Howard Ferguson, ruled that Louisiana had the right to regulate railroad companies while they were operating in state boundaries. Ferguson convicted Plessy, and Plessy was fined to $25. Immediately, Plessy sought a writ of probation and appealed. Later on that same year, the Committee of Citizens took Plessy's appeal to the Supreme Court of Louisiana, where Plessy's previous charge was still upheld. Justice Charles Ersimus Fenner held that Justice Ferguson's decision did not violate the 14th Amendment. Still, the Committee of Citizens appealed to the United States Supreme Court, hoping for the decision to be reversed. Two briefs were submitted. One was signed by Albion Torgi and James C. Walker, and the other by Samuel Phillips and F.D. McKenney. Oral arguments were heard on April 13, 1896, and Torgi and Phillips spoke on behalf of Plessy. Their argument was built on the idea that Plessy's 13th and 14th Amendment rights, especially the 14th Amendment, which states, quote-unquote, No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of the law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws, end quote. The attorney arguing in favor of the state of Louisiana was Attorney General Milton Joseph Cunningham, who was known for being a strong supporter of white supremacy. The state continued to push the idea of separate but equal. On May 18, 1896, the Supreme Court made its final decision. It was a 5-1 to one case in favor of Ferguson and the state of Louisiana. The judges on this case were Fuller, Field, Harlan, Gray, Brown, Shearis, White, Brewer, and Peckham. However, Justice Brewer did not participate in the decision because he recently left Washington to attend to personal matters. The majority opinion was written and delivered by Justice Henry R. Brown. The judges who joined in this majority were Fuller, Field, Gray, White, Shearis, and Peckham. The court said that the Louisiana law did not violate the 13th Amendment. It also held that the separate treatment for African Americans did not imply that they were inferior. In short, the court held that segregation did not in itself constitute unlawful discrimination. The only judge in dissent was Justice Marshall Harlan. 
He argued that the Constitution was colorblind and that the United States did not have a class system. Because of this, all citizens, he argued, should have equal access to civil rights. He also accused the seven majority judges of being willfully ignorant on the subject. If I had to give a quick summary of this case, then I would say there was a law that made it so African Americans and whites had to have separate cars when riding the train. When a black man attempted to sit in one of the white cars, he was arrested. The state court, state supreme court, and the United States Supreme Court all ruled that the law was constitutional and that as long as the separate facilities were considered equal, then it was okay to separate by race. This case is considered to be one of the worst decisions ever made by the United States Supreme Court. It was later overturned by Brown versus the Board of Education, but during its time, it still upheld discrimination. Still, I think it's an important case to share because of the large impact that it had, even though it wasn't good. Before I end off this week's case, I do want to add in our little fact of the week. This time is from Washington State, where it's unlawful to attach a vending machine, among other things, to a utility pole. The law says, quote-unquote, it shall be unlawful to attach to utility poles any of the following, advertising signs, posters, vending machines, or any similar object which presents a hazard to or endangers the lives of electrical workers. Any attachment to utility poles shall only be made with the permission of the utility involved and shall be placed not less than 12 feet above the surface of the ground. Pretty interesting, I guess. Never thought about that one before. And so, that wraps up this week's episode. If you do want to give me a suggestion or any feedback, then feel free to email me at letstalklawpodcast at gmail.com or you can find me over on Instagram at letstalklawpodcast. Remember to check back every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for another new episode and Supreme Court case. Until then, bye!